Welcome to the Know or Not podcast. I'm your host, Ken Delbridge, and in our current season called Crafted By, we're focusing on the artists and craftspeople in Singapore. In a country that loves analyzing its economic progress through detailed statistics, the nation's culture is enriched by those who create the arts which nourish the soul. In this episode, we talk tattoos. In the world of paintings, the medium that an artist uses is always included when describing one of their works. Think of the Mona Lisa, Leonardo da Vinci's masterpiece that hangs in the Louvre. It was insured back in 1962 for what would today be over 800 million US dollars. The media is oil on poplar panel, which is wood. Vincent van Gogh's The Starry Night and Salvador Dali's The Persistence of Memory are famous examples of oil on canvas. And the screen by Edvard Munch, twice stolen from museums in Oslo, was created with a mixture of oil, tempera, pastel, and crayon, on, of all things, cardboard. Now, before you start thinking that all the great ones are oil-based, think of Michelangelo and the ceiling in the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican City. That is a fresco, which works by the chemical reaction of damp lime plaster and water-based pigments, so no oil here. Andy Warhol's Campbell's soup cans was hand-painted with synthetic polymer paint. And Banksy, the anonymous England-based street artist, uses stencil to create his murals, which are, I guess, spray paint on wall. Or brick. Okay, you get the point. Artists can work in any medium, which leads us to be able to say that regardless of the medium, art is art. But there is a generational divide on one method, and how you feel about it is often a giveaway of your age or mindset. That medium is ink, and specifically, ink in skin, also known as tattoos. When we were in school, tattoos were a no-no, you know, know, it would be a sign that you are a gangster. That's Pius Chongfa Chong, a cultural medallion recipient for his sculptures, and the man behind First Generation, the bronze sculpture of five boys jumping into the Singapore River. And before you think he's against tattoos, you'd be completely wrong. He loves all art, and in fact, has a tattoo on his right forearm. It is my initials, CFC, Chong Fa Cheung, the Chinese seal, which I like. Most of my sculptures have this seal. My wife you know, has mentioned it, and I think it's very cute. She says, you know, we see this tattoo on his arm. He is his own artwork in progress, and I think I like that idea. In 2019 in Singapore, you might wonder what is the status of the tattoo scene now? I was genuinely surprised at what I found. When I first worked up some questions to ask two of the best tattoo artists in town, I showed them to my wife to get some feedback. She designs and makes children's toys, and you're gonna meet her in our episode on woodcrafters. She said my questions were the kind of questions that would have been asked in the 80s. And she wasn't saying that because I had some cool nostalgia vibe going, far from it. My questions were cliche. Ouch! I redid my research with fresh eyes and prepped my questions for two tattooists who have very distinct styles. They're both articulate, smart, and down-to-earth, and I think you'll get an honest, first-hand feel for what it means to be a tattoo artist in 2019. With conventional artwork, you can't interview a piece of paper, a spread of damp plaster, or in the case of Banksy, a wall. Tattoos, on the other hand, go onto real living people. 
If you're like me and you've never had a tattoo, the first question you'd want to ask is, why? Why get a tattoo? Everybody has so many different reasons for getting tattoos. It's either a form of expression, a form of capturing or remembering key moments in your life, or an act of rebellion, uh, and sometimes all three. When I first started getting tattoos, it was definitely an act of rebellion. Vandetta is a soul electronic artist and music producer based in Singapore. It's really truly become an art form. And so I started to think of if I wanted to express myself using the tattoo medium, what would I get? And who could help me realize that vision on my back? Paul Foster is an actor, host and model. When he mentioned to his father he wanted to get a tattoo, since he was only 16, his father said, no, it wasn't the right time for Paul. Not long after that conversation with my father, he, he passed away. He passed away when I was 18. When I got older and I lived my life, everything that's happened to me, I, I wanted to get something to dedicate it to dad. So it's very ironic because the first tattoo I got was his name, his initials, his birth date and his death date. It was, you know, just above where my heart is. So left side, uh, symbolic in that sense. It's just like, well, dad, I know you said you didn't want me to get one, but you also did say it's about that right time and, th and that right message or story or feeling. And, and that's what I wanted for him. For someone with a lot of tattoos like Paul, is there a narrative involved in how he chooses what to ink on his skin? The trick was actually not so much trying to tell the story I want, but it was actually finding the right tattoo artist who is willing to, to tell your story, really work on designing the elements that you want, and then obviously being able to do the quality work. And then I met Bradley. My name is Bradley Tan. I run uh, Oracle Tattoo. I opened this studio in 2011. I'm very close to my crew, and we are family. Like, really, we're, we're, we're all brothers here. And I'd like to think I'm a pretty cool boss, man. Like, I let them do whatever they want. And I think that kind of cultivates, in my crew especially, I give them so much leeway, they can do it themselves and all that, and then they find what's comfortable for them. The modern landscape for a tattoo artist has evolved. There will always be tattoo shops that cater to walk-in customers who are hunting for an on-the-spot tattoo as perhaps a memento of their travels or some other reason. But the top artists right now run their businesses in a very different way. I like to schedule a sit-down with my clients. So the first few things to establish would be what the idea is, size, placement, and um, any other references that they, may, that they may have, just to aid me along uh, in, in what direction they want to go to it. Of course, they must know the kind of stuff that I do. So I, I normally tell my clients to take a look at my portfolio first. I do a lot of black and grey realism, anything that basically looks real. Feroz McLeod is a tattoo artist with a very different style to Bradley. I run Bada Bink Tattoo Firm and Singapore Electric by Gimme Love Tattoo in Singapore. The style of tattoos that I do, which is a Western traditional style, it got famous in the pre-war era, 20s and 30s, was when um, Western traditional started in uh, America and most of Europe. And these were tattoos that were done on um, circus uh, freaks that were, you know, the illustrated man sort of stuff. And so my designs are really, 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 really old and they kind of don't really mean anything. They're almost purely aesthetic. Bradley and Feroz have very different tattooing styles and there are plenty of other styles out there. And these genres of tattoos do evolve over time. Styles change people progress with a style. If they take a traditional tattoo and they change it in, in their own style, like that makes it a very personal style and that sometimes makes an artist get really famous because it's a signature sort of a thing. 
I think that if you take a style and you change it though, that changes the style. So if you do Polynesian tribal tattoos, for example, and you're not Polynesian, that changes, you know? So instead of it being really a Polynesian tattoo, it turns into a Polynesian-inspired tattoo. And so from there, if you change it even more, then it turns into neo-tribal. I think um, tattoo styles do change, but there are people, there are historians that, that try to keep the old designs going for as long as they can. And um, a lot of those people are the type of people that I look up to who actually know about the history of the tattoo, who made it who designed it originally and how many times it's been taken by other legendary artists and, and it's, just a, it's just a really nice uh, history lesson in that sense of, um, of traditional tattoos, which is what I do. I think a lot of the different genres have their own heritage. Like you mentioned Japanese, you know, there's a deep, deep culture uh, and history in that. And I have a few friends who, who, ha who have come from a lineage of, of tattoo artists, you know, in their family. And I think, yes, it is timeless. Uh, it also is constantly evolving because if you see what was done a hundred years ago uh, in Japanese um, tattooing and what is being created now in, in the modern day Japanese focused uh, tattoo artists, it's different yet it holds roots from a hundred years ago, the, the new ones now. I would say it's timeless. Same, same goes with traditional and old school and same goes with my style. Um, except that probably back then our equipment was a little bit more primitive so therefore you know realistic stuff kind of maybe wasn't that popular back then because the equipment couldn't sustain what kind of small little minute details that we can do now versus back in the day. The process of tattooing fundamentally hasn't changed. It's still ink in skin and the equipment the artists use now has kept up with the times. Definitely, most definitely. A lot of tattoo machines are still the same as when they first made them and a lot of people still tattoo traditionally by hand and by hand tap and, and even uh, hand poking but essentially the basic tattoo machine which is actually a bell a fire alarm bell that was cut up that is still around today like that original design from um, maybe the 1920s is an engraving machine like that design is still apparent now. Everybody uses a machine like that. And of course, there are, there are tattoo machines that are futuristic as hell. They use different motors. Some of them use air pressure. And the hygiene standards are, are super high now. The inks are way, way more um, brighter. You can get every single color you can dream of. And yeah, everything is, everything is changing. And, and there is a big industry of tattoo supplies and tattoo um, machines that, that come out. And, and that is a very big business. While the equipment has modernized, it's still ink injected into skin. And there's still an element of pain that you have to deal with. It can be an intense experience. I actually had this moment where it was so, so painful that I couldn't think of anything else except the pain. And something very weird happened. My mind went empty. And I had not had that kind of peace of mind in a very long time. And I cried because it was this crazy transformational moment of the act of going through that pain gave me some kind of peace. For me, a very memorable moment getting a tattoo. So I think going through the pain of, of tattoos, um, I'm sure some people do it for the rush. For me, I never look forward to the pain. <laughs> but there's something in knowing that 
I know that I will have pain and that I will be okay. When I do big projects, which is mostly what I do now, uh, I work on back pieces, sleeves, uh, you know, front bodies, even some whole body suits. But it's a bit different when I'm planning out, say for example, a back piece versus a sleeve. Uh, because, you know, like just to give you an example, if I'm doing a sleeve on you, when someone's looking at your outer arm, they're not going to see your inner arm. So as you turn, people see different angles of it. Versus if you take off your shirt and you have a back piece on you, when they see your back, it's one giant canvas. I really appreciate the guys who have come back to me and said, uh, Paul, I don't, think, I don't think that would actually fit there. Or I don't think that current design that we want would flow with that particular position on your body. And I think it should be a two-way street. It's then up to the tattoo artist to then tell you, uh, that, that just won't go there, or that's too small for me to put the amount of detail I want in. So, can we make it slightly bigger? <laughs> See? <laughs> they don't usually go, can we make it smaller? That's usually from the client side. They go, oh, something go, oh, that's a bit too big, can we make it smaller? The tattoo artists, they want to show their work. I mean, there's some intricate detail in some of the pieces. If it's too small, they can't get that detail. Nowadays, the quality of the equipment and the ink is so good that it's beautiful. Yeah, but you know, you can, you can see it sometimes from back in the day. And I think that's another reason why I got lucky. I'm doing the tattoos at a time now where not only are the tattoo artists so amazing at what they do, and not to take anything away from the legends, the pioneers of it, but just how art and design and, and talent has developed along with equipment um, and, and, and just modernization of, of the tools they have to design more intricate tattoos. One of the common themes I've come across in talking to all of the artists is that they never stop learning about their craft. No, I will never stop learning. When, when is the day that I, I, I say I stop learning is the day that I, I fail as an artist. Man. There's, no, there's no stopping learning in, in something creative like that, you know? Like, like, I mean, it could work for an accountant or something, I guess, you know? Once you reach to a certain point, you know everything there is to know. I, I, if, if I'm not wrong in this, don't quote me on this, but maybe that's where you reach a level where you stop learning as an artist doing something creative. I don't believe there's an end point. If someone sets an end point for themselves, then they're, they're just setting themselves up for failure, man. Being active on social media, promoting their work on platforms like Instagram, is now part and parcel of being a modern tattooist. I think one of the major changes in the industry in tattooing, from a business standpoint, is social media and online marketing. I think that is the biggest game changer there is now. It's really difficult for you to see purely from an online point of view if a studio or if a tattoo artist is legit nowadays. If I don't play this Instagram game and like I probably wouldn't be where I am today if I, if I didn't play that game and that's only because I need to be on the level playing field to be able to compete with the rest of the world really because tattooing is international now it doesn't matter if you're the only tattoo shop in a city now people travel to get tattoos people tattoo artists travel all the time so it made me think how does it feel to see your artwork leave the shop once it's done, effectively set free into the world? Well, that's why tattooing works so well. It's because your advertisement is always walking around, in the streets, everywhere, meeting people, people talking about it. Me tattooing somebody 
on the face gets way more recognition than if I put something on a billboard, especially nowadays when nobody's really looking at billboards, everybody's looking at their phone. People walking out with my tattoos, I wouldn't say my art, it is, it is an art. I'm more of a craftsman. I like to, I like to um, dig deeper about a design. I like, to, I like to share with people where the designs come from and, and, and really recreate the, the pieces, the drawings and paintings from tattoo artists from the pre and post-war era where, you know, to me the designs were, were perfectly flawed. Some of them are the most ugliest designs you've ever seen, but for some reason they work really well on, on, on skin and it gives you a very romantic sort of charm to it because when you look at it, you can see that it is folk, vintage. In a long career of tattooing, what advice would Ferreras give himself if he could speak with his younger self? I would give myself the advice that don't, like Pharaohs, don't think that you can draw stuff because you're really <laughs> I think that tattooing is a craft. I think that you're a technician and you have to execute a perfect line, the perfect shading, the right amount of black. And, and, and I think that focusing on the craft and the technicality of it more than trying to be some established artist, I think that was, that was my biggest um, setback when I was growing up in tattooing. If your curiosity has been tweaked by this episode of Crafted By, then you're in luck. There's a monster event coming up, the Singapore Ink Show 2019 at the Convention Center on April 5th, 6th, and 7th. You'll be blown away. And, and seeing these guys do their stuff, there's over 100 tattoo artists tattooing at the same time. So the buzz, literally, the buzz is there, the energy is there. It's, and you know, you're going and you're seeing these legends do their work and you can see tattoos that are being done on the day itself because you know there's best of day and then you've got tattoos that are done across three days so you get best of convention. You're seeing some beautiful pieces. This episode of No One Not Podcast was part of our series Crafted By, which brings you closer to the artists and craftspeople in Singapore. It was written and produced by me, Ken Delbridge, and mixed at Splice Studios. You can subscribe for more episodes via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you're listening to this podcast. We'd love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. For more information, visit knowornot.com. That's K-N-O-W-O-R-N-O-T.com. <laughs>